Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hold on to your butts. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Wesker demands. Now this affects Iris. Um, Iris, where are you? What you feel only matters to you. I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. Iris, I have a tip for you. Don't take drugs! Or whatever movies with Wesley and Iris. What up and welcome to our 2022 94th Oscars special edition episode of Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host Iris and I'm here with my older brother. Wesley. Hey, the Oscars specials, the telecasts are usually pretty boring. Like what is there to discuss? Why are we doing this recap? <laughs> well, actually, yeah, there's one thing to discuss. We can discuss how I totally rocked you in our Oscar play ballot, play along ballot. By three points. And I told the sneak that it wasn't. Like, I didn't give it a crazy amount of thought. I gave my guesses for what I thought would win as opposed to what I wanted to win, because that's how you win Oscar polls. So I worked on a show a few years ago about a family from Detroit, and we asked a guy in interview about a party he went to. And uh, I was like, you know, whatever you whatever you want to say about the party. And he thought for a while and he was like, that party was slapping. Slapping. Yeah. And and I hadn't heard that before. And I didn't know if that was good or bad. (laughs) So I don't know. Uh, the Oscars, for whatever it was worth, this year were slapping. Wait, first of all, you didn't get a final definition of slapping, good or bad? I think it's good. But okay. the guy, okay. one of the producers of the Oscars, he tweeted last night, well, I told you guys it wasn't going to be boring, at least, something like that. Ooh. Are we? Should we just get it out of the way? So it is very clear that we can't really get into the politics of this too much. My PR team is telling me to avoid that kind of stuff, and Esquire just printed an article that said that Will Smith gave ammunition to racists in the exchange with Chris Rock. So I definitely don't want to go there. But, but, you know, they were trying to get Oscars back on track to be normal. And I'm I'm afraid this moment will live on in Oscar history, even more so than the, you know, there there was a naked guy, like the streaker at the Oscars. That was like 40 years ago. There was, of course, the Moonlight La uh, La La Land debacle. And I think this is going to rank up there for whatever that's worth. I spent a lot of time not examining the politics of it necessarily. Uh, I think you and I personally could go there, just not gonna. But I wanted to find out if it was a gimmick, because if it was a gimmick, that would have been sad. And yet at the same time, it kind of bummed me out, generally speaking, that it kind of set a tone for the rest of the evening, just in terms of Oscars being presented as enjoyment. Hmm. 
Hmm, interesting. Like a dark cloud kind of over the whole overall feeling, celebratory feeling of what's supposed to be the most glamorous and celebratory night in, in the industry. Yeah. I mean, obviously Will Smith was is good guy, likable Will Smith. That's his whole brand. And he was the guy who refused to swear on his records. So, you know, Denzel Washington's advice seemed to be sage. Wait, wait, but- what was... To remind our audience, what was Denzel Washington's advice? Denzel Washington post-slap was to Will Smith, at your highest moment, that's when the devil will come for you. Be careful. And he didn't know that that was going to be his highest moment. I guess he was a front runner. It's not personally who I voted for. I thought that maybe Andrew Garfield would be able to pull it out, but that's why I lose Oscar polls. You voted for Andrew Garfield out of because that's who you wanted to win or because that's who you thought would win. So I'm trying to get an idea of your logic behind your Oscar ballot. It was a little bit of hopeful thinking and just going through. No one else seemed to stand out. It felt like Benedict Cumberbatch and Will Smith were in a dead heat. And I was like, ah, why not give it to Andrew Garfield? That could be interesting. That could be fresh. I definitely voted for Will Smith because I was voting to win. I don't think that he gave the leading role in the leading actor role category necessarily, although it's a very strong as Richard Williams in King Richard. But I speculated because of his not only his two nominations for Pursuit of Happiness and Ali, but also the, the debatable snub for that football movie. Concussion, it was yep. like it, this was Will Smith's year right it wasn't necessarily for king richard i think that he was awarded it was for will smith's lifetime his career yep sam jackson got his lifetime oscar also at the governor's ball lifetime achievement kind of a thing well that's cool uh sam jackson playing the straight man between uma thurman and john travolta that was funny yeah they just kept on dancing John John Travolta <laughs> no, having a grand old time. Yeah, no stranger to weird moments up on stage. Just kept that and I was like, You can stop dancing now. Yeah, what did he call Adina Menzel? Uh Adele Dazim. <laughs> not not an Oscars moment, but still an, an awards moment just where this is why they have delays and, and even then, uh, you know, you want something to talk about, there you go. Uh I remember the John Travolta name generators. Yep. Just like the Star Wars name generators. Where you just you put in a name and then it it John Travolta John Travoltaizes it. Yep. Hilarious. I have my name. I don't remember what it was now. Oh right, yeah. I had my Star Wars name too, but I forget. Overall, a big night for representation. A big night for women, especially with the Best Director win for Jane Campion. A big night for Coda, and they're underrepresented. Their their cast. I don't know how to classify their cast. I think it's the, the drawing, yeah, drawing attention to the dis- disability. That one in particular, being hearing impairment. Yeah, I, I just, I think a big night for representation overall, and yet kind of overshadowed in terms of headlines by the Chris Rock Will Smith debacle. Yep. And uh, so I was making notes throughout about the Oscars. I was excited because the Oscars are staple. It's a staple. They are. It's a spectacle. And I didn't want it to be in a freaking train station last year. And I didn't want it to be all tiny and weird and intimate and with a DJ instead of an orchestra. Um, I do think the house band this year didn't really sell it. And so I think they transferred last minute. They were like, we're going to try a thing and we're going to keep it hip and fresh. But also, no, it's not working. Let's go to the guys under the stage. 
It seemed like they were rolling with it as they went. It seemed like they were going to do the Bruno song, and then it, then they didn't because they announced it after the next break. And then they didn't do the Bruno song. And then when they did it, I was like, I wish they hadn't done the Bruno song. Oh, no. Why? I it thought was, that yellow dress was hot. It Whoa. was just it was just awkward. It was they were reaching for young audiences. It was kind of a remix. There was the rap in there. Uh, they changed it to we're here to celebrate Oscar. And it, I don't know, man, I, I felt like obviously the, the Bruno song wasn't represented in the best, in the nomination for best song. That was Dos Oruguitas, which didn't win to, to my surprise, because I thought the strength of Bruno alone would carry over to that song and would make Encanto at least, at the very least, the best animated feature. And I thought for sure it would win best song. Yeah, a big, a, a big upset and surprise with somehow you do. From Four Good Days. That was a Reba McIntyre song, right? Yep. Don't even know. Don't know. She sang it. Great. I, I voted for Dosa Oruguitas not only because I thought it would win, but because I thought it deserved to win. That was one of those delightful ballot moments where the two come together. What I think, you know, me trying to get the most points, but also <laughs> me wanting to validate or see recognized a song that I loved. I agree the Bruno performance was a little bit pressed. It was a little bit overly dramatic. Like they were trying a little too hard. Yes. I think it could have been just lovely if they had a very simple ensemble, but it was very complex choreography and camera blocking and a lot of different people changing up the song, a song that we that I know by heart kind of an odd performance and that live sort of impromptu nature of it was in such stark contrast because it happened at the dolby was in such stark contrast to to beyonce's compton tennis ball green performance happening in the daylight probably recorded three days earlier and edited you know mm, interesting. i don't know i wanted it to come back to the dolby where it has been traditionally i wanted uh the orchestra underneath and i wanted hosts because you needed jimmy kimmel to like step up there and be like can't well can't we both win oscars for moonlight and la la land and you needed mm. somebody to step in to relieve the tension when the thing happened that happened smack heard around the world here's what i would like to do i would like to go over my notes all of which almost without exception are weird moments to see how okay. you felt how you felt about them. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Beyonce obviously not live. A little bit on the nose. She was on a tennis court performing the song from King Richard. And yeah. then they they cut in the Dr. Dre style city of Compton kind of refrain. <laughs> uh, I didn't see it. Um <laughs> I got to J I got to Amy's Oscar party a little late. And um, was consumed in conversation with Arash for at least the first 40 minutes of being there. Okay. Let's move on. Did you catch the opening monologue? Nope. So you missed but the joke. But can you tell me about it? Yeah. So you missed the joke where, among others, I mean, Amy Schumer tries her best. There are three hosts. It's always going to be a little bit awkward. It's never going to be James Franco and Hathaway awkward. But they're doing Oof. their best. And a few people miss their cues during the broadcast. You make uh, yep. exceptions. But... Uh, Definitely the best joke in the opening monologue was they talked about the in memoriam section and how they decided to include the Golden Globes. Oh. Come on, that's a good joke. Oh, but let's talk about in memoriam. That that started as a very sweet, very touching thing and then it became this celebration of life. I and, and that's I was like it's exactly what I wrote down. <laughs> celebration of life. 
And I was like, okay, this is a thing. And I understand the angle that it was going for. But I yeah. was legitimately sad to lose a lot of the talents this year. Uh, yeah. You had uh, Bill Murray trying to keep it together while he's talking about Ivan Reitman, trying to be yeah. serious. And usually they'll do the heartbreaking quotes from movies, the people that really stand out. You know, the big ones that we lose that are kind of indispensable in movie history. And then... Yeah. Uh, They'll get like a little bit grander of a moment. I feel like everyone was lost behind the music. That terrible wide shot. Occasionally it would go to full screen. But if you're going to have the music, that's one thing. But to have 30 people dancing in front of the screen where I couldn't even read the names and the dates half the time. It was a bummer for me. I like the in memoriam section for what that's worth. I like the tributes and and sometimes it's shocking, sometimes it's really sad, but it's it's a fitting tribute and I'm not sure that that's what this one was. I get the celebration of life angle and the choir, the the gospel choir was lovely, but it felt incongruent and kind of weird. It kind of, not inappropriate like like they were disrespectful. I, I was just very distracted by all of the activity in a segment that I think is probably best left simple, clean, and respectful. Yep. The next one is um, Daniel Kaluuya, who won Best Actor last year for Judas and the Black Messiah. And her, who won Best Song for the same movie, came out to present the award. And they came out to the house band or whatever playing Africa by Toto. Now... I get it that the Black Panthers were kind of specific to Africa or their heritage and they're both black, but also Africa by Toto is like a super white people song, right? Mm. Is that weird? A little weird. Uh, a little <laughs> on the nose in the wrong way. Did you see the host patting down Jason Momoa and what's his nuts? Wait, what? So... One of the hosts, forgive me, I don't remember which one it was, tried to get Will Smith up there. It was like a COVID spot check, a gag, a bit that they were doing. And then she frisked a couple of the people on stage. It was very extended and, and it was obviously like a thirst kind of thing. And if it had been done by a man, it never would have gotten off the ground. And it went on for an awkwardly long time. It was pretty uncomfortable. I can see that if the roles were reversed. I also thought that Wanda Sykes in drag as King Richard, uh -huh. as Richard Williams, was a little awkward and it may have been offensive and definitely would have been weirder if it had been in the reverse. If it had been a man as a woman? Yeah. Which I know in the 80s and 90s was like the main recipe for comedy, like dress any male actor in drag, Dustin Hoffman, Robin Williams, etc. Jack Lennon. Like it's funny. Yeah, that's funny. Or at least that was back then. But it feels a little passe now. Yeah. They're doing what they can. I mean, you should remember the montages that Billy Crystal did. Montages? Oh, as a host? Yeah. where he As host, he would insert himself in different movies and things and jump between <laughs> costumes. Yeah. That's so, right. So yeah. they did what they could. The Spider-Man thing was appropriately awkward and yet kind of funny. Like she kept spraying the silly string and stuff. <laughs> I got no problem with it. All right, so that worked for you. And, and that was the best cover-up for the thing later where she was like, I was backstage getting out of my Spider-Man costume. Did I miss anything? <laughs> that was good. And I think that was the way one journalist put it. The low point of the awards, and sorry to keep bringing it back to this, but I am kind of obsessed, really was quite serious. Like, it was a man body-shaming a woman and then another man 
defending that woman with male toxicity and violence. Like it's pretty low when you think about it in that way. Yeah. Um, I think that Will Smith and his persona is otherwise pretty intact. And I think that his speech theoretically in a in a vacuum was perfectly lovely. And it is what he preached during the entire press run of King Richard. It was about holding up his community, uh, the two young actresses who worked tirelessly to portray, to represent a man that many people felt was difficult to, you know, glorify or represent for Venus and Serena. And it always seemed like he had embraced the role that Denzel Washington has taken to embracing lately of it's time to allow for the passing of torches to younger stars, to co-stars, collaborators, that sort of thing, where he was to the uh, to the young girls who played Venus and Serena, Mr. Will, like an elder statesman authority type figure. I mean, the dude is in his you know early to mid 50s. And that speech would have been perfectly lovely if he didn't have a cloud over him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Yeah, it was a very awkward moment. A missed opportunity to apologize to directly to Chris Rock. Yeah, don't think he was feeling it. And he was definitely dancing with his Oscar at the after party. Oh, I saw that. I saw him getting jiggy with it. It was so surreal. So, that, like I said, it might not have been a, as big a deal, but maybe for where I am in my life right now, it threw me for more of a loop than I wanted to. I just, I felt it was kind of a bummer. It's not to say that it's not important. It's not my fight to work out. You don't think Chris Rock should file assault charges? Uh, I don't know. Between them, he says he doesn't intend to do that. Okay. Let's actually end this Will Smith chapter of this episode on a high note. Chris Rock took that slap, made really nimble pivots and jokes about it i mean not jokes but like he was like will smith just smacked the hell out of me like calling it out for what it was and then in a brilliant turn of dark comedy said that was the best moment of television history like (laughs) what chris rock handled that i don't know he handled it in my opinion impeccably i don't know how you handle a moment like that on live television and then transition into you know your next line on the teleprompter. It must have been surreal. Poise and dignity. And then Questlove got up to accept for his Summer of Soul documentary. And he was emotional because he had lived with this doc, this footage, like 50 hours of footage for like six months and did nothing else but, but watch that footage. And uh, all overshadowed because everyone was like, what just happened? And, you know. <laughs> like just in, still in a total state of shock. Yep. And so we'll close this out with 
Will Smith allowed to give his actor speech. Of course, he had been declared the winner and that was sealed in the envelope before any of the Chris Rock stuff took place. But they gave him as much opportunity. It must be said that it was talked about at length whether or not he needed to be removed from the auditorium. And that didn't happen. And furthermore, he had a lot of support. Nobody would dare to interrupt his speech while it was happening, whatever he was going to say. But when the Dune guys got up for effects, I think there needs to be a template. There needs to be, there's three of you, you guys have, you know, you're supposed to whisper this. When you're handing them their Oscars, you have 15 seconds apiece. Go for the three of you, right? Because the one dude was like my wife and kids and the whole team and blah, blah, blah. And the other dude stepped up with his paper and they were like, da, na, 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 and played him <laughs> off. And like the, the the spotlight at the microphone <laughs> microphone went dark. <laughs> that was kind of a bummer. Oh, I and, mean, that happens every year. Yeah, they were, they were trying to keep it moving, but man. Yeah, and they don't hesitate to do that on the second tier categories as the, as the industry has begun to call them. Yeah, and so they were going to try to pull in younger viewers with the Encanto Bruno stuff, uh, fan favorites. I'm guessing that nobody's fan favorite movie of the year was Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, but that played for longer than the guys who did Dune special effects got to speak. That weird... I was shocked. Have you seen that film? No. Who's got time for that? And then at, on the other end, I think they went back to Bond like four times. Mm. And uh, it was just, it, there were a lot of attempts to throw it at the wall to find out what would draw viewership. Uh, a lot of it. It's hard to know if the give and take really worked out, right? We, we got, would it be better to hear more from the short documentary and short live action producers? By the way, shout out to Ben Proudfit for his win for Queen of Basketball. It was amazing. You know, could it be, would it be better use of real estate to have them speak or speak live as opposed to have, you know, Amy Schumer on wires um yeah it's a toss-up because those people are important those films are important and then i didn't see any of them and sorry ben i didn't vote for your movie because i didn't watch it so i kind of voted at random it's nothing against you but uh they tried to move it along so they did show the wins and some of the brief speeches but they canceled all the long walk-ups from the back of the dolby you know all the way to the front and stuff and tried, tried to streamline time but uh, they should make short uh, live action films and the animated shorts. They should make those available, widely available to stream. I mean, they're, they're never going to be money makers, And otherwise we don't, I, I never seem to have a handle on those short films. Yeah, it's tough. In the era of on demand, it seems like they could be better promoted. I know that they were available on shorts TV and they're available on the filmmakers various websites, but it's it's hard to cut through the noise and the clutter and the glut of content out there. But Ben Proudfoot, second time Oscar nominee for short documentary subject, won his first Academy Award last night. And he is a board delegate for the PGA on my board for the New Media Council and a kick-ass filmmaker. So huge, huge kudos and congrats to Ben. Nice. I'm also a member of the PGA. Ben, can I hold your Oscar? I've never actually touched one. (laughs) <laughs> and speaking of Oscars, all the time that we could have dedicated to some of these categories, man, we went through a whole tour, second year in a row, of that Academy Awards Museum on Wilshire. 
Yeah, that was their advertisement moment. It's almost like a spoiler. Like, I saw all the stuff. I don't have to go there now because I saw the ruby <laughs> slippers and stuff. However, it would it probably be, would be more entertaining if Wanda Sykes was the guide because that Harvey Weinstein gag, that was pretty funny. I think it's it's now it can start being funny because we have a little bit of distance. <laughs> a little bit of distance is all we need. Ten years from now, this Will Smith thing will be hilarious. I just, I mean... I, I cringe every single time I think about it. Yeah, that we'll be watching like future Oscars on like holograms and stuff. And then they'll show like a flat image of that smack. And you'd be like, dude, it looks so weird and old. And Did we uh, go through your list of weird things? <laughs> so we talked about the bodyguard recently. Did you, like I, totally zone out when Kevin Costner started talking about <laughs> how the West was won? And I think he's been on Yellowstone too long because the... the uh, the country accent is kind of forward now. It just it's just stuck. He's stuck. Yeah. I totally thought about you when Kevin Costner was up there because I was like, this is the JFK courtroom monotone. He's just employing it to great dramatic effect right now. Like I liked it. I felt what he was saying. I, I was I was like totally vibing with him, but I was also very aware at him possibly losing the majority of the audience with the way he was speaking. Yeah, they're like, get up there, filibuster. We got to do something. Change the tone. Well, no, don't change it like that. He was like Grandpa Simpson getting up there and being like, in my days. Nichols had pictures of bumblebees on them. Give me five bees for a quarter, you'd say. So where was I? Oh, yeah. The point is that I had an onion tied to my belt, which was the style at the time. It's like he was like old guy rambling and not going anywhere. <laughs> it's like everyone, it's like that's the moment where you go to the bathroom or you turn to you, turn and be like, what do you think Chris Rock is doing back there? <laughs> Kevin Costner was an audible, audible commercial. He was like a, a, a an intermission. Uh, I thought he had real gravitas. It was very dramatic. I don't know what he was talking about. But I felt it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And yet I paid, you know, his rambling monotone or whatever. I paid so much more attention to Troy Kotzer's sweet speech and just Aww. and everybody doing the silent applause thing. Like just talk about sweet moment. moments. Were you, I mean, were you happy? I was. I was surprisingly happy. I wasn't sure he was going to win, and and obviously, you know, there are people that that would have deserved it just as much. But then the the grandmother from Minari showed up, and she was really sweet and earnest. And I was like, I love her so much. Everybody loves her, and then everybody loved Troy Kotzer, and she like grabbed his Oscar so he could talk. And I was like, this is the sweetest thing I've ever seen. Aww. And she like had it at the ready in case he wanted to grab it back and shake it like in victory. <laughs> that was a really nice moment. Very cool. Very inclusive. Having the interpreter up there was just for all of the Coda wins for screenplay, for actor, for best picture. Like just a nice touch, a yep. really nice thing for people, for the broader public to see. And so there were lots of things that I knew that were going to happen. And I was like, eh, okay, let's see how this goes. Do you remember when Cynthia Erivo was up for Harriet and then sang yeah. the theme song or the, the original yeah. song for Harriet? And I was blown away like, whoa. Like yeah. up so until talented. now, I thought Billie Eilish was some like kid with green hair. Eilish? Whatever. Uh -huh. And then she got up there and sang the Bond song. And she definitely has her like breathy thing that she does where it's like the Kevin Costner of singing where it's just kind of 
It's all just kind of there. And she then, never presses. And she surprised me. Like she was delicate and graceful and sang a really lovely song that was clearly Bond, but also somehow her. And then she won her Oscar and behind the scenes she was super giddy. But even before she won for Best Song, which was announced really late, I thought her performance was surprising. Like she kind of stepped up and became a real performer for me in the same way that begrudgingly Justin Bieber did. Uh, after all the controversy and all the dumb stuff that he did as a kid, he's actually a talented performer and respectable. And I never got that for Billie Eilish until last night, until this Academy Awards. Were you happy about Dune, the number one winningest film of the night? Uh, I mean, that doesn't say a lot. We were spread pretty thin. You know that Coda was the first Best Picture winner in 90 years that wasn't also nominated for director or editor. Wow. You mean like 90 of the 94 years <laughs> that the Oscars have been in existence? I can't I can't even remember what it was. It was like the good ship lollipop or something. <laughs> the whole point is that we, we spread it kind of thin. And, and look, I got many of the early ones. I knew that Dune was going to clean up in all the technical Oscars, but it got kind of kind of hazy as we went along. And I wasn't sure uh, I was wrong about Coda. I thought it was going to be the power of the dog. It seemed to be a front runner. But I also called Jane Campion for a director. And so they spread it for Coda for Best Picture, Jane Campion for The Power of the Dog for Director, and actress for Tammy Faye and Will Smith for King Richard. Like you could not spread it out more. And this might be illogical, but I kind of like it. Like, I kind of think it's a little wasteful and redundant when screenplay, direction, editing, and best picture go to the same film. Like, I get it. It all equates to the same thing. It's all Oscar winner, blah, blah, blah. It's like the Golden Globes. Did you know that Sweeney Todd, the demon barber of Fleet Street, is a best picture winner for that year? Musical or comedy, Golden Globes. Doesn't count. <laughs> Uh, it counts in marketing and P&A. And that's exactly what I'm saying. Spread it a little bit thin. I think it devalues overall the awards. That said, I love The Silence of the Lambs, which is the last one that did a definitive sweep. Actor, actress, screenplay, director, best picture. And does it hold up that well? Is Silence of the Lambs an enduring movie classic for all time? I like it a lot and know it almost by heart. But I don't know if it's a sweeper. Yeah, I guess I could see it. You're right. It was very spread around. And then I look at the ballot, drive my car for international. But they got, they got their Oscar. They're represented. The only film that I was shocked and also saddened to not see was Nightmare Alley. Yep. Total snub. Sorry. Called it. You really did. I was like all in denial. You were like, it's not going to do. But by the way, you said that. You called it before I even having seen the film. I just, not fair. It doesn't, it doesn't, Guillermo del Toro had his moment in the sun with The Shape of Water. And this didn't seem like anything that was high profile. I didn't hear the buzz coming down. I definitely liked that movie for what it was. It's my favorite Guillermo del Toro movie. I wasn't sure. It was a little bit too in between. But all of these, a lot of these movies were too in between. That's why it was a tough race to call. But whatever. I wanted a fun uh, back to basics Oscar with a host and the monologue and the funny. And if you want to change it up and adapt it for younger audiences, you do that thing. It's just learn from your mistakes. I'm not sure that it wasn't, it, it overall escaped. Uh, its trajectory was enough to escape the awkwardness and uh, kind of stale feeling. And then, you know, there was the bummer. 
You can't shake it. After something like that, you can't shake it. Yep. And also, I'm in a, de- I'm in a delicate place in my life. All I wanted it to be was light and fun and a celebration of movies. That was not a celebration of movies. Oh, man. When you want a little something light and, your, light and fun in your life, your otherwise stressful life, I think that maybe it's all kind of a car- carryover of this icky feeling that I went to bed with last night where I was kind of like, you know, like train wreck kind of obsessed. Like, what? Yeah. But also, like, all this weird righteous indignation rising up in me, like, this is assault. Something needs to be done. And then the Academy's weird little pithy statement, pithy but also noncommittal statement, I was, like, all enraged. And then it's a weird, it's kind of a weird vibe at the industry's highest honors, kind of a weird vibe. Kind of, you know, the only thing that people talk about, this is like the preamble of every meeting I've had this morning is like, whoa, some Oscars, huh? <laughs> it's nuclear fallout. It's that uh, we're still, uh, we're all, we're still cr- kind of cranky. The effects of COVID are still lingering and we're, we're trying to pull ourselves up, but it's tough to do. Still better than the Golden Globes. Still better than the Golden Globes. So an eventful night to say the least. And an award ceremony with, a, with, with the Oscars and the Academy kind of spreading the love around this year's films. Uh, we were happy to see Coda walk away with some big accolades um, for a much-deserved, even if it was a slightly romantic comedy vibe-ish movie. Congrats to all the winners, including my buddy Ben Proudfoot. And uh, good luck to the Academy and to Will Smith's PR team navigating the next few weeks as they, as they navigate the fallout from what was kind of ultimately we could probably sum up as a some as a somewhat strange ceremony but that's our discussion on the 94th annual academy awards thank you for listening to or whatever movies hey iris what's coming up next james cameron month what what april 2022 see you soon hi i'm mark and i'm peter We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electrocast. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, that's No, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Electric acid.